0: Brent, Angela, I've got a bit of a strange question for you today. All right. Are you superstitious?
1: I will say I am not particularly superstitious.
0: Okay, no fun. Angela, what about you? (laughs) No fun.
2: I'm a little superstitious, but not really. Does that make sense?
0: Tell me a little bit more about that.
2: I mean, there are certain things that I always believed growing up. And although I don't really believe them, I still kind of practice them.
1: Mm. What are some of your superstitions?
2: So you don't put your purse on the floor. You don't put a hat on the bed. (laughs) Okay. There's a couple more and one just sounds as dumb as the other. But there were just, you know, superstitions I heard growing up. And although I don't really believe them, I kind of still don't put my purse on the floor or or, or put hats on the bed.
1: What do you think is going to happen?
2: Putting your purse on the floor means you will always be broke. Like you'll never have money. Uh. And if you put a hat on the bed, you're going to have bad luck. And I don't want either of those to occur. So (laughs) I try to, you know, make sure I follow them. Not that I believe them or anything. No, 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 no. You never know. (laughs)
0: Yes, they become sort of a habit, even if they're not necessarily something that you believe in.
2: Exactly.
0: Okay. Well, recently, Angela, you had a Twitter thread about tech superstitions. Are there any of the responses that stood out to you?
2: My favorite was the Kwai Kwai culture, Mm -hmm. where they leave snacks around the office That was my absolute favorite. If you want to keep the machines happy and the machine gremlins happy, leave them snacks. Mm. That one was my favorite because snacks, I mean, (laughs)
0: snacks. (laughs) So that brings us to the discussion for today's episode, which revolves around tech superstitions. There are some things that people do in the tech industry and outside the tech industry, but that revolve around tech that are solutions to problems that aren't necessarily helping in the way that we think. And so I wanted to find out more about where these came from and and how they work and what's actually going on behind the scenes. So I went to the people in tech support and I had a question for them. Can superstitions solve technical problems?
2: This is Compiler, an original podcast from Red Hat.
1: We're your hosts, I'm Brent Semineau.
2: And I'm Angela Andrews. We're here to break down questions from the tech industry.
1: Big, small, and sometimes strange.
2: Each episode, we go out in search of answers from Red Hatters and people they're connected to.
1: Today's question, can superstitions solve tech problems? Producer Johan Philippine is here to share the magic.
0: So, there's this really great quote from a sci-fi author, Arthur C. Clarke, mm-hmm. and he says that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Now, Brent, this really resonates with me, and I assume it does for you as well, because when things work, it's fantastic, mm-hmm. but when they stop working, I have no idea what's going on or how to fix it. It's like the magic has gone. Do you feel that way, too?
1: Yeah, I really do. I work in the tech industry, but I am a writer. So I really consider myself to be tech adjacent (laughs) more than anything else. So I am constantly surrounded by people who know more than I do. And I'm amazed by this. I'm amazed by what the people around me can do. And it honestly feels like magic sometimes.
0: I spoke to Connolly Simmons, who really embraces the idea that there's a little bit of magic involved. He uses it every day in his role as tech support for live events here at Red Hat. Here's what he had to say.
3: We don't mind if people think of us as wizards. We're just plain old ordinary men and women doing special, perhaps special magic with our technology to make their jobs easier and make their connections more real. So I don't mind being called a wizard. I wouldn't mind if it was on the bridge of a starship either.
2: My husband works in tech support, and he always says he is a technician, not a magician.
1: Wait, what's the difference between the two?
2: Probably
3: not much.
0: (laughs) Connolly actually talks about this a little bit.
3: Well, I was thinking about this, and I'm not really sure what the difference is When it comes to technology, what the difference is between on the spectrum, on one end, there's just flat out superstition. You believe that there are supernatural causes for things that you can either encourage or prohibit, I suppose. And on the other end is best practices. And somewhere in the middle is ritual and habit. And so I don't think I'm superstitious per se, but I really have, I would say I have rituals and best practices that probably border on superstition the outside observer there's very few things that are irretrievable there are very few situations you can't recover from and so they see that as wizardry we see that as good technical best practice technical acumen and customer care and so i guess we are seen as wizards or some sort of superheroes but really it's just the ability to act fast quickly and for everyone's good
1: angela Do I remember this correctly? You actually have experience
0: in tech support, right?
2: As a matter of fact, I do. That's where I started.
0: Hmm. Did you ever come across any customers who had some supernatural explanations for fixes that they were doing on their own?
2: Oh, yes. I have heard some really wild stories as to why things work. (laughs) There's some doozies out there.
0: Well, from the conversations I've had for this episode, that doesn't sound like a unique experience. The next person I spoke to, Troy McNish, he's definitely encountered some questionable superstitions.
4: If you're gonna have them, have some solid ones. It's funny because you run into, I think coming from the meeting and support side with so many years of experience, you run into people who have more superstitions than you do. For example, I remember this one gentleman who went to mic him up before he was set to speak. And I went and put a lavalier on his tie. And um, he's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh, So you're going to be speaking. He's like, yeah. He said, no, we cannot put these $50 microphones on my $500 tie. I will have a bad talk. The back of my mind, I wanted to say, well, you know, we (laughs) no problem. Uh, I'll do that just to hear your $20 presentation. <laughs> but hey, if that's your superstition, no problem. I- I'll help you out. So I end up putting it on his lapel, on his jacket.
2: I have never heard anything like that.
0: Superstitions affect his job, but he can deal with those pretty easily. He does have a pet peeve about misplaced blame.
4: People who aren't in tech naturally have this superstition about technology just not working or they have a superstition about if something goes wrong, it's the technology. One of the phrases I just dislike, it's like, please take this out of our vocabulary as a phrase is sorry, we're experiencing technical difficulties because people use it for reasons that are not technical. And I will go back to a time I was running an event in the hotel banquet room. And this was this was years before Red Hat early in my career. And I never forget the banquet is going, everything is going great. The speaker is up there, he sounds great. And then out of nowhere, the banquet table in the middle of the room collapses. So what does he say? He says, Hey, sorry everyone, we're gonna deal with this. I know right now we're experiencing some technical difficulties but we're going to fix this and we'll come back. And I'm like, no, we're not experiencing technical difficulties. I wanted to get up there on a mic and say, yeah, I'm sorry. Due to his voice, it caused vibration in the room and made that table fall.
0: But Troy has a technique for handling customers in distress, and it makes use of one of the oldest tricks in the book.
4: Rebooting your computer or laptops usually takes about, you know, two to three minutes for you to shut down, for it to go through its cycle and come back up and rejoin in a meeting or event. Or if it's something like, you know, the platform we're in today, it takes time to do that. It takes three or four minutes. Really, what that does is it it does a few things. We don't tell them this, but this is what it does. It gives them time to think about what they did wrong and what will really fix the problem. It gives us time to not hear the person for three or four minutes while we try and figure out in our head what can be going wrong. And then if you're lucky, it will fix the problem. So that is the number one fix that I use. And it works. It works. It works.
2: I actually like those. I like when stuff just starts working. I like when you can just say reboot and the problem goes away. I like it when as soon as you get on the call and it's like, yes, how can I help you? Oh, my God, it's working. My problem's solved. Those are the best ones.
1: (laughs) That has happened to me so many times.
2: Sometimes you just have to make the call.
0: (laughs) Angela, do you remember that story from your Twitter feed about someone hitting their computer just right to get it started?
2: Yes. Yes, I do.
0: How did that work?
2: It was a repeatable process. You had to hold your hand a certain way mm-hmm. and smack it three times. And How do they know it worked? It worked once. It worked a second time. <laughs> Every time they did it, it just kept on working. That's the process.
1: <laughs> Angela, I'm I'm on your Twitter feed right now, and I am looking at this, and it is very specific. Very. It's very specific. He's like, you had to hit the side of this box. He's talking about this computer with an open palm, like Brett Favre smacking a teammate three times. (laughs) On the third time, you held your hand on it until it stopped vibrating. Then it would boot. This is like very specific.
2: It's a repeatable process.
0: But how how did he even figure it out, right? It, you have to hit it three times in a very specific spot and then, like, hold it.
2: Because four's too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, four's too much. Two wasn't enough. Like, <laughs> how do you figure that out? He figured it out. He did. But that brings me to the next question that I have about these superstitions, which is, where do they come from? So I spoke to Andy Mosley, and he had a few theories of his own.
5: It's dictating too many habits or, you know, because the idea is you do a a superstitious thing in order to get a desired outcome, right? So if you tell yourself, I'm only wearing left socks every day so that you get a promotion and then you do that for a year and you still don't get a promotion, you've just formed a bad habit and not necessarily gotten a desired outcome.
1: Yeah, like what happens when the superstition kind of takes over your life?
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Ask a sports fan.
1: Oh, you're from Philadelphia.
2: <laughs> oh, God, we're the worst, best <laughs> sports fans ever. There's so many superstitions, especially around, you know, the playoffs. Mm. You've done things all season. Mm-hmm. Don't stop doing them now. You do not want to jinx the team.
0: What I found really interesting is the reason behind forming these superstitions or these bad habits, right? It's, it's the idea that you're doing these things out of a desire to control a situation that's difficult to understand. Mm. Now, he mentioned that he himself was a bit of a superstitious person, but in our conversation, he, he revealed how his career in tech support really helped him gain kind of control and scale back on those superstitions.
5: And I wonder if that's because I've been in IT. And that I have more control over that, which, you know, in the end with superstition, that becomes what it's all about. Like you want to have some kind of control over something. So you do a thing to get a desired outcome. IT has at least trained me how to have better control over my technology.
0: It's how we approach those unknowns that really separates The professional person in IT, tech support person from the layperson. And the solutions we come up with end up being completely different, right? On the one hand, you have the dedicated professionals who know how to find a solution and find one that's based in technical knowledge. And then there's the rest of us who sometimes poke around and happen upon a solution that may or may not be a little bit more superstitious in nature.
2: I've turned into the latter.
0: Yeah. Really?
2: (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, this is where I'm comfortable now. I'm not in tech support anymore, and I don't Mm -hmm. have the policies and procedures to guide me through the myriad of problems that I could be introduced with in any given day. Hmm. Now, it's, yeah, maybe I can figure it out. It's more magic now than it was before. Like, I can fix something? What?
0: That's really surprising to me because I, I, from what I understood, like once you're in tech support, you know, the genie's out of the bottle and all the magic is gone, right?
2: Do you know how many years ago that was? Do you know (laughs) how much technology has changed (laughs) since I was in tech support? Do you go
1: to tech support now, Angela?
2: I try not to. (laughs) I really try to figure things out for myself. But, you know, sometimes I do have to reach out to tech support to get help or to get access to something. But, you know, the old Angela would really be cringing at that right now.
0: We've been talking about how people in tech support are able to solve a lot of problems. And they've got this huge bank of knowledge to go back on to fix problems very quickly. But they obviously don't start there, right? I'm going to go back to Connolly for a second. In our conversation, he brought up something very interesting to me, which was epistemology.
3: The study of epistemology is what we know about what we know. And really smart people will approach any sort of an issue and go, clearly, I don't know something here. Because this wouldn't be a reality if I did know everything and had done everything right.
0: So Connolly is telling us and showing us that even with all of his years of experience, he doesn't always have the answers. And, you know, that's pretty encouraging for me as a layperson.
1: Yeah, this makes me wonder if... There's a reason we call it computer science, because a big part of science is not knowing. And even when you do know things, that knowledge is always tentative, right? That knowledge can always be updated once we find out that something else
2: is true. That's exactly right. It is a science behind it. The way computers work, the way code works. So you have to follow your hypothesis. Mm -hmm. But if it proves not to be true, you have to pivot. You can't go down a rabbit hole if it's not yielding you any results. You have to be quick to pivot and move in another direction. Mm -hmm.
1: I think so much of the time I'm trying to, like... (laughs) demonstrate to everyone around me how much I know Mm -hmm. but it sounds like from what Connolly is saying that it is just as important to recognize and share when we don't know something
0: yeah as methodical and scientific and studious as you can be there's always going to be something that you don't understand always always but if you know what to look for, there's often a solution that can be explained. All right, so we're going to do something that's a little fun. Fun? Fun, yeah.
1: I never trust you when you say something's going to be fun.
0: <laughs> Is that something that happens a lot? I don't feel like I... Anyway, <laughs> I figured, you know, there's this magician's aspect of, of our guests and... yeah. I wanted to see if they could explain why they think some of these weird fixes work. First up is blowing into a video game cartridge. Tried and true. Our first guest to answer the question is Connolly Simmons.
3: My first response is going to be because of dust. If I remember correctly, the old cartridges had those blade connectors. So there were these very wide, they weren't pin connectors like we have in a lot of things now. They were blade connectors. I have a feeling that you were setting the cartridge down next to the TV when you weren't using it. So if you were had a, I'll just pick a game. If you had a Mario cartridge and a Legend of Zelda cartridge, you couldn't have them both in the machine and you'd set it down next to the TV. Well, the television is a notorious static discharge device, and especially in the old tube TVs, right? So you're setting the cartridge down in an electric field full of dust and it's going to collect us. So when you blew into the cartridge, you made sure that the connection was going to be crisp and so not everybody had a Q tip and a bottle of denatured alcohol to clean their cartridge blades, right? So, yeah, blowing in it dust and the static. Yep, that's what I'm going with.
1: I want to challenge this theory uh-huh. and here's the evidence that I would like to put in front of you. Ooh, evidence is the place next to your TV more dusty than the rest of the house? Yes. Really?
2: What was the question? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Is, (laughs) Is the space next to your TV more dusty than the rest of your house?
2: That's what I thought you said. Hell yeah. All of the house dust sits right there on the console where the television is. Really?
1: So maybe there is something to this.
2: Yes. So my television sits in front of the air conditioning vent, and next to the stairs. So you're getting everything coming through the air vent and the dust and dog hair and what the heck coming off the stairs as people run up and down. It is the dirtiest place in my house. Like, you literally have to sweep behind it. That's where all the dust goes. Every last dust bunny.
0: (laughs) And somehow it gets... Into the cartridge. Yeah. Little bunnies just getting in there.
2: (laughs) Every time.
0: Little dust bunnies crawling up in there. So
2: we just blow them out.
0: (laughs) That's not the only theory. And Brett, I think Andy Mosley's answer is going to resonate with you a little more. Let's hear what he had to say.
5: Okay. Yeah. So we argued about this back and forth for quite a while, right? And we were saying one camp came down that it works because, you know, there's the copper connectors within the cartridge. When you blow into it, you're blowing the dust out of it. Therefore, when you plug the cartridge in, it's making that connection easier. So it goes through, right? My only issue with that is that you shouldn't have to do that every time. If you have that big of a dust problem that you have to blow it out every single time, right? Like it should be something maybe you have to do every once in a while. Not this does not work every single time. I would contend that something was probably bent either inside the machine or the cartridge itself and it's not making the connection properly and that blowing on it you just happen to get lucky and it worked that time and i had that classic nes so i remember doing this you know that even the way you would push it in like you can slam that thing in there and push it down really hard or you talk to it real gently and try to you know coax it in there i guess this is where the superstition would come back into like how nice were you to your nintendo You know, little things like that, that make a difference too. It's where the user side comes into it a little bit. You know, well, how are you treating your games? So I think we did come down on on the solution that it was, yeah, you did it so that the connections were more clear, but I'm not entirely sold on it because like I said, if you are having to blow out your cartridge every single time, then you may have a bigger issue.
1: See, this is what I'm saying. Like, we don't live in the dust bowl. How much dust is there?
2: Just one little bunny. Just one little speck.
1: (laughs) It it just takes one.
2: That's all it takes.
1: I don't know how much it takes. I will say, I think I'm more in line with Andy than I am with Connolly on this one. I don't buy the dust thing.
2: Hmm. Then what do you think it is?
1: I don't know. But honestly, I think Andy's closer. That's just me. That's just me.
2: Mm, Okay. So maybe it's just the magic of your breath. (laughs) On the connectors, it's like pixie dust. I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. And it makes you feel better. No?
0: <laughs> no, no. I'm saying that's that's really interesting. We should really hear what Troy has to say, because that sounds very much like what his answer was all about.
2: Mm. Ooh, okay.
4: It works. It works. It works. Not only does it work, and I'm going to tell you why it works, but not only does it work. It works because... There's a simple thing called, go back to it, superstition. And I say I'm not superstitious. This is almost fat. Even if you just go back and try it, if you get an old game system, I, and not even an old game system. I did this with my son's Xbox One and it worked. Game wouldn't work. I took the CD out. I blew on it said, and, and he's looking at me like, oh, dude, you're crazy. What are you doing? Like, hey, I'm about to teach you something. I put it back in and it works. I think it's something that they make into the cartridge. That's just, I don't know if it's our breath. I don't know what it is. We're just giving it a little love and it appreciates it and it works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is my favorite, favorite answer. Uh,
2: Just giving it a little love.
0: Just give it a little love. Okay. Bye. Next up turning it off and turning it back on again. It's a classic, but how does it actually work? Here's Connolly Simmons.
3: Because electricity has both persistence and memory. Electricity has a personality. I think that what we're doing now is we've made that into a digital world modern advice in that once we supercharge our devices and we're sending power to all the different pieces in the chipset, that just like humans, you know, humans need I mean, I would tell this to a human. Unplug yourself, walk away, go breathe. Don't do anything. I don't mean don't think about the problem. I mean don't do anything. Go sit still and quiet. I used to have to unplug things and we would count to 20. It'd be 20 seconds before you plugged it back in because you needed all that built up electricity to so sort of go out into the universe and dissipate. Sometimes devices need a break from that. I don't know if that's the right answer. Or if that's the true answer, but I sort of believe in it.
0: Now, that's something I still do when unplugging devices. I still wait 20, 15, 20 seconds because that's something my dad taught me to do. Yeah,
1: me too.
2: Mm-hmm. That's where superstitions come from. Like yeah. the whole purse thing. Where'd that come from? Well, my grandmother told me that. So, Oh, see? <laughs> she passed it on to me.
0: All right. And then the last one we've got queued up
5: is Andy's answer to the what he calls the best fix of all time that works for a number of things computers like to sleep and turn off just like we do and they kind of fix a lot of their own issues by doing that that's the simplest way to say it there's a lot of more technical ways you know it's flushing its ram it's getting rid of temporary files things like that but yeah leaving your computer on for months at a time is bad i mean just put it that way it likes to go to sleep. It likes to be turned off and turned back on. We always know that it's annoying having to wait those few minutes for everything to boot back up. You know, you had all your a hundred tabs open. We get it. But you're gonna get better performance and faster performance out of your computer by actually turning it on and off again. And like I said, it's just because it does a bunch of its own simple little self fixing tasks when it does that, that it just doesn't do when it's on all the time.
2: Hmm. Humans and computers. Sometimes they both need to power down from time to
0: time. <laughs> yeah, what I thought was really interesting is that both Andy and Connolly made that kind of connection independently of one another, making that computers, just like humans, need to have some time to disconnect and turn off. Yeah, I
1: love what he said there. They just kind of fix a lot of their own issues by doing that. I agree. (laughs) I think that's how I'm going to think about (laughs) sleeping Uh from now on. Like, I'm just fixing a lot of my own issues by doing that. (laughs) I love it. All right, Johan, Angela, let's come back to today's question. Can superstitions solve tech problems? What do you think?
0: I think so. It's like we were just talking about with sleep, right? I personally don't know how sleeping or turning off a computer on and off again is going to help me fix my problems, but I get that expected result. And as long as it works, I don't really need to understand how it works, you know? Yeah, exactly. Angela, I'm wondering
1: if you are still going to not put your purse on the floor.
2: I will not be putting my purse on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I've done this for way too long to give it up now. So it doesn't hurt anything. So I'll just keep doing it.
1: Some things don't change.
2: Exactly. And that does it for this episode of Compiler.
1: Today's episode was produced by Johan Philippine and Caroline Craighead.
2: Victoria Lawton is the magician who makes the show sparkle.
1: Our audio engineer is Christy Chan. Special thanks to Sean Cole.
2: Our theme song was composed by Mary Ann Chetta. A super thank you to Connelly Simmons, Troy Bignish, and Andy Mosley for sharing their magic tricks.
1: Our audio team includes Lee Day, Laura Barnes, Claire Allison, Nick Burns, Aaron Williamson, Karen King, Boo Boo Howes, Rachel Urtel, Mike Compton, Ocean Matthews, and Laura Walters.
2: If you like the show, please follow us for future episodes.
1: All right. See you next time.
2: See you soon.